This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. There's nothing quite like catching a wild trout. One that was spawned in the river or stream where you hooked and landed it. But even if you catch a trout in a high mountain lake that requires you to hike up a waterfall to fish it, and I'm thinking here of Sky Pond in Rocky Mountain National Park, even if that's where you go to fish, that trout might not be a native. You see, brook trout live in Sky Pond, and they don't sport the native bumper stickers that you see on so many Subarus in Colorado. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're just not a native fish. I remember those in the 80s. That was such a big deal. Oh, you were a I native Coloradan? Holy cow. Oh, yeah. There, there was a lot of hatred if, if you weren't. Well, it's like when I lived in I Oregon. Texas. People didn't like the Texans coming in. No. And now people, it's the Californians. Well, yeah, that's it. People in, Cal- in, in Oregon didn't like Californians coming in. Remember, there was a bumper sticker that said... Uh, uh, welcome to Oregon. Now go home. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. Oh, that's boy. awesome. But we digress. Uh, what we're talking about today is the difference between native and wild trout. You might be surprised where the trout that you caught originally lived. Knowing the difference will not make you a better fly fisher, at least not directly, but it's good to know something about the trout you're catching, and, and I think it enhances your experience and the enjoyment of it. Well, for certain, it explains some things. It does, And, yeah. uh, you know, if you fish in Montana, for example, and fish when rainbows spawn in Montana, but then go to the Driftless, the rainbows aren't spawning there because yeah. most of them are stocked. Right, So, yeah. uh, And they're not reproducing rainbows. So it's important to know this as you think about yep. where you're fishing and what you're fishing for. Yeah, it's really true. So, Dave, what's the difference when we talk about a wild trout and a, and a native trout? Well, a wild trout is one that was spawned in the river or stream where you catch it, and it wasn't okay. planted or stocked by a fish, yeah. fish hatchery. And a native trout is the offspring of a native population, one that has existed in the same river or stream or watershed for hundreds of years. All right, so when I'm up at Sky Pond and I'm catching brook trout, those are those are wild trout. I mean, they were not, uh, you know, that... 10-inch trout that I caught wasn't uh, planted there as a fingerling, you know, six months ago, or or the eggs weren't placed there. I mean, that that was spawned in that uh, lake or, or yeah, in, they reproduced. probably in a tributary. Yeah, yeah. They, they reproduced there. Right, so that's a wild trout, but that's not a native trout. No, it was originally introduced into yeah, there it in was. some form some years ago. Yeah, it was. So let, let's talk about some of the major... Uh, species of trout and and where they originally came from the first one is one of my favorite trout to catch but it's not a trout and i think i was kind of uh floored by that i remember in high school reading a book on uh, uh, trout fishing it might have been ray bergman's classic on trout and and i discovered that that the brook trout is not really a trout it actually is a char uh, but hey, it looks like a trout, acts like a trout, yeah. uh, tastes like a trout. Uh, so <laughs> fights like a trout. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm, I has was, speckles <clears throat> like a trout. Yeah, it really is. So for all practical purposes, it is what it's called. It's a brook trout. Now these fish are native to the Northeast, uh, Maine, New York State, Pennsylvania, and, and I've read that originally they probably extended. Uh, 
you know, south to the streams of the high Appalachians and even down to Georgia. And the westward introduction began in the 1850s. I mean, I've fished some lakes in, in Colorado and Montana where I think, okay, th there's no way that somebody planted these in the 1850s, but they actually did. So uh, that, think that's about the, that. That was before the Civil War. Yeah, and they're it was. thinking about fly fishing. I just oh, love the way they think. Yeah, or at least thinking about fishing. Yeah, yeah, think, yeah thinking about yeah. fishing. Yeah, exactly. but I, I know that it's it's amazing that yeah, 1850. They're they're starting to. Uh, <clears throat> I guess what they did was they would take uh, you know trout eggs and they would uh, you know they they would plant fertilized eggs in those uh, you know, streams or, or lakes and, and it really is something else. But uh, brookies, wow, we've caught them everywhere, haven't well, we? We sure have, yeah. Man. I remember catching them in Elk Creek in Augusta, Montana, yeah, yeah. You know, along mm -hmm. with both browns and rainbows in, yep. that, in that stream. But it had all three species. It was oh, awesome. I know. And it, it is. It's crazy. Sometimes I'll catch them somewhere, and I think, man, there hasn't been anybody here for you know decades. It's such a remote place. But then you have to realize, well... Somebody was here once because yeah. there are brook trout here. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, the next species is uh, brown trout, and this is a European species. Some still call them German browns. Uh, they were first introduced into the U.S. in 1883 when a New York angler obtained trout eggs from the German Fishing Society. And by 1900, brown trout were planted in 38 states. Man, that's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing, it? yeah. 38 states by the, the turn of the century. Well, where we fish in the Driftless, uh, the browns are wild there in mm -hmm. that they yes. are re reproducing. Right. And so this fall, they, they spawn in the fall. Mm -hmm. And those, quote, German browns, unquote, mm -hmm. um, man, you can catch them really nice. In fact, I caught one of the nicest browns I've ever oh, caught yeah, in the Driftless this summer. That was a beauty. Yeah, it really was. And uh, so I'm just grateful for those who introduced those fish to our country. Yeah, I am. And that's a that's a an issue that we, we well, we may talk about that just a little bit, is is introducing those non-native fish. Was that a good thing or was it a, you know, was it a not so good thing? And I, I guess my definitive answer is, well, it depends. Right. <laughs> so right. we'll get to that. Hey, another uh, very common species is the cutthroat trout. And these are native to tributaries of the Pacific Ocean and the Rocky Mountains and the Great Basin, which is Nevada and Utah. The thing about cutthroat is that there are subspecies. Uh, I don't think there are, uh, maybe there, there are probably some, you know, fish wildlife biologists could distinguish between subspecies of brown trout, but you really don't think about that. But with cutthroat, yeah, you've got Yellowstone cuts, you've got West Slope cuts, you've got Colorado River cuts, you've got Greenback cuts, and I've I've caught at least three of those as you have, and and uh, they're they're all a little bit different. But uh, cutthroat, of course, get their name from that red or orange slash kind of uh, underneath. Uh, where their their gills are if you you turn them over and and they've got that gorgeous little red stripe and so yeah hence cutthroat well someone once well not once someone asked me on instagram recently when i was posting some pics about uh or from the trip i took to colorado and they're asking me okay what you know what subspecies of of cutthroat were you catching? And it was actually, when I looked on the website, I had to go back to the website and I had to do a little research, yeah. um, the fly fishing website, as well as um, 
digging a little bit further, they were some mm-hmm. version of the, they called them the Snake River cutthroats. Okay, yeah. Uh, which is actually another species yeah. that you didn't even mention. So, That's um, interesting. Um, but they're they're in that high mountain lake. You yeah. wonder, how did they get there all oh, those years ago? How did they get to the how did they get to 11,000 yeah. feet yeah. sitting above the timberline? It's crazy. It's yeah, who who introduced them? That's quite a story. You know, cutthroat tend to be a more fragile species. I mean, you don't sense that when you catch them, but fragile in the in the the way that if if other trout, like sometimes even rainbows are introduced, uh, you you'll see the cutthroat population uh, diminish. Uh, sometimes there is a little bit of crossbreeding. We, we've caught fish before that are cut bows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, both uh, cutthroats and rainbows are the bighorn, are Wyoming. spring spawners. Yeah, that's right. That's right, and the bighorn. Uh, but uh, yeah, they're they're great. Just uh, beautiful trout. All right, one other big one, Dave. What's that? Well, the big one is rainbow trout, and yep. these are native to cold water tributaries of the Pacific Ocean, uh, west of the Rocky Mountains, Washington, Oregon, California, Idaho, Nevada. That's and- interesting. Is that's kind of surprises me. I would have thought that. You know, Montana, Wyoming, that maybe they were native there, but they, they really weren't, yeah, not like the cutthroat. Really, yeah, that is that is interesting, and yet they've really thrived there. The rainbows no, they have. really thrived there. And then I think about all the rainbows that I've caught back in Pennsylvania over the years near where my uh, grandfather used to live up in McKean County. My grandparents lived there, and I think, good night. Those, those are really, that's a western fish. So the, the brook trout went west. And the rainbows went east, huh? Yep, but the cuts have stayed pretty much. Yeah, they have. And, you know, that probably is due to them being a more fragile species. I I don't know of, never heard of cuts and cutthroat trout in, you know, in Wisconsin or Michigan or Pennsylvania. There may be some exception, but uh, but I'm not aware of any uh, that that are in, you know, fisheries uh, other than somebody's private pond. Well, it. You know, when we have to mention, if we're mentioning rainbow trout, we have to mention steelhead. And right. uh, steelhead are seagoing rainbow trout. Yeah. And they spawn in the spring like rainbows. And um, I guess in contradistinction to, say, salmon, they generally don't die when they spawn. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, salmon do, don't they? I- yeah. I was surprised at that. You pointed that out recently that, what, over 90% of salmon um, really die, die when they spawn. Yeah. spawn. That's and, and those that don't tend to be female, and they tend to go back um, out to sea or to the lake and, 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 and obviously feed. And, and then I, I, they say they can do it up to two or three yeah. cycles, four cycles. Yeah. So how many, they say there's a summer run and a winter run for steelhead? Yeah, I guess so. I just have I just don't know that much about them, even though I lived in Oregon briefly uh, for about three years doing graduate work. I, yeah, I, I just haven't fished them that much. So I hope to someday, but I, I don't know that much about them. Well, my brother was just out in Oregon with his son and uh, was on a guided trip for a couple days, and they were fishing the McKenzie River. And they were catching these I forget what they call them certain kind of rainbows. They call them like uh, red backs or red flat okay. rainbows, but they're really colorful rainbows. Mm. But one of the sons of another of my brother's friends caught this like 24 inch um, steelhead. <laughs> oh, my word. Yeah. <laughs> and that was an unbelievable fight. Oh, they had it on I video, bet. and that just bent that rod over and, 
and oh and, man, you know, it was some, it was an amazing thing to watch. But, wow. So I, I think you and I haven't done a lot of steelhead fishing. No. I think I've done it once. I'd love to do more steelhead yep. fishing. Um, there's so much great fishing in Montana yep. and other places that you know you can't you can't yeah, do everything. That's true. Well, let's try to tie this together and maybe make some observations. So what are some observations we can make about the difference between wild and, and native trout? I don't think you can tell the difference in terms of the fight itself, whether it's a you know a native or, <laughs> yeah, or a right. wild trout yeah, or, or a non-native not. wild yeah. trout. I mean, I yeah you no. Know, then that's a good point to mention. You, you aren't going to tell the difference. Now, some will say between species, although I've had people say, yeah, these cutthroat trout, they're kind of lazy. They just don't fight. And I think, man, that the, must not be catching the ones I've caught. Or somebody will talk about how aggressive the rainbows are, and then I'll fish somewhere. And it's like, well, it didn't seem that aggressive. It, you know, it, it varies from condition to condition. I think the difference is between a uh, a, a wild trout, whether it's native or non-native, and a hatchery trout, you know, one that you, you know, that's, that's been planted and you, you catch that and it's kind of soft and mushy and... Just pull it in. Yeah, well, you may not catch it anyway unless you uh, drift a marshmallow down the... <laughs> or a pellet. You figure yeah, out a exactly. dog pellet yes, or something that, on your hook. That's right. <laughs> Reminds that's right. me... Uh, when our kids were young, we had a family reunion in or near Rapid City, South Dakota. Yeah. And there was one of these fish ponds yeah. maybe near mm -hmm. Deadwood, south yeah. of Deadwood, um, or Custer National Park. There was yeah. some place mm -hmm. down there. And we sat and we each pulled in, you know, about five or ten each within about 15 mm -hmm. minutes. <laughs> so we have this picture with all the kids, all the grandkids with yeah. these huh? Not my grandkids, but my yeah. dad's grandkids, with this big string of trout, you know, yeah. on a, you know, that was not catch and release. They were trying to <laughs> eliminate as many as they could from this pond. But yeah, that, that's right. And they, they wouldn't hit a spinner, right? You no, had to, had to put pellets on. Yeah, the, you had to put yeah, pellets right? on your hook. <laughs> oh, that's but yeah, great. fish hatchery or hatchery fish are not, you know. Yeah, that's right. As you can tell, the we're best not, and the brightest. Yeah, we're, we're not a big fan. No, not a big so. fan. Here's something else. Uh, it's important to keep in mind, don't plant fish from one body of water to another. You know, it's one thing in 1850 to introduce, uh, you know, brook trout to some lake where maybe there were no fish at all. And and, and even, even that is, uh, you know, there's a lot of different opinions. We don't need to get into all of that. But today, when you've got... Uh, uh, invasive you know, species oh, you and do. all the problems with that. And really the, the uh, Fish, Wildlife, and Parks or Department of Natural Resources in all of these states, they have uh, they're carefully managing you know, this resource. And so last thing that we want to do is to, uh, you know, to plant fish, take them from one body of water to another. I mean, that, it's illegal, first of all, and, and it's simply irresponsible. Yeah, well, most of us are not going to do that, probably. No, no, yeah. hopefully not. You know, we forgot to talk about lake trout. Uh, oh, yeah, you know, right. Obviously, yep. they're not in the rivers and streams we yeah. fish. I grew up in mm -hmm. North Dakota, and so we have Lake Sakakawea or Sacagawea, yep. depending mm -hmm. on how you how you say it. And um, and there's these lake trout that live within the Missouri River, but mm -hmm. they're really deep. And right. um, you have to go, because obviously they need the, the colder water. Yep. But, um, yeah, so... Well, I remember trout. even in Yellowstone Lake, they were trying to, encouraging fishermen to keep any... Uh, lake trout. Uh, lake trout and, yep. you know, kill them and eat them because, yeah, they've been kind of an invasive species. Yeah, there, there are other, uh, you know, 
species. We're not talking about Dolly Varden and bull trout. We know there's some others, but uh, well, we, we've kind of hit the major ones. But yeah, maybe one more observation, Dave, before we wrap this up. I also think the decision to kill non-native fish and reintroduce native fish is a complex one as seen in Colorado. Oh boy, I really agree. Yeah, in Rocky Mountain National Park, where both of us like to fish, uh, when I was in high school, used to fish some of those lakes and streams, and then, you know, we'd catch a fill of brookies and browns, and then the Park Service decided to, uh, um, really to kill those fish, to poison them, and, and to, uh, you know, reintroduce the greenback cutthroat. And I remember I was upset about it at the time, but, you know, in retrospect, I, I kind of like what they've done. I think they've, uh, uh, you know, they did it on a limited basis, and and those populations have done really well. And did I've, they succeed in killing off the brook trout? Well, I, I think in certain places that, that they did. I mean, I, I fish up in, like, Spruce Lake or Loomis Lake up up the, you know, up above the Big Thompson River drainage that where it flows out into Moraine Park, and and I know that those are, I, I think they're almost exclusively greenback cutthroat. And they're gorgeous fish. And I, I'm sure there's some places where maybe they didn't wipe them out completely. And, and you wonder over the years if, uh, I know in Moraine Park where the Big Thompson flows out of that uh, out of that drainage, that there's brookies in there. I caught some this summer. And I caught browns, you know, in, in, in the evening, almost at dark. So you, you kind of wonder, will they make their way up? Uh, although I, I doubt it unless somebody introduces know, them, yeah, reintroduces them. them. Yep. Yeah. So interesting stuff, isn't it? Again, it's not going to change maybe the way you fish, but uh, and interesting to know where these things came from. All right, it's time now for great stuff from our listeners. This is from our friend Glenn Zarboni. He's a guide in the end at Aroundex, and, and he is our friend. We, we've never met him, but he's just a friend through our podcast, and he's He's going to disagree with us. Do you think we can handle this, Dave? Uh, given our level of expertise, I think <laughs> yeah. we're okay with it. <laughs> I think we are. Yeah, this is what Glenn writes. He says, I'm going to have to disagree with you on the rod being the most important piece of gear. And this goes back to a podcast we did on uh, on fly fishing gear. He said, for me, it's the wading boots and waders. My boots have to be strong, sturdy, comfortable, and above all else, safe. My life depends on my boots. As we all know, wading is the biggest danger for fly fishers, and my boots are where uh, my money goes. I currently own the Patagonia foot tractors, and by the way, I'm hoping to yeah. own a pair of those yeah. too. I agree with Hopefully that. Hopefully not this trip, <laughs> this next trip. Anyway, Glenn says, in my opinion, they're the sturdiest, most comfortable boots on the market. The aluminum bars are also like magnets on the rocks. My waders also have to be comfortable. I use the Patagonia Rio Gallegos. Is that how you say it? I have no idea. Well, I tried. Anyway, Glenn says they're the top of the line and are pricey but comfortable. They come with built-in knee pads that are removable. They have four layers of material in the knees and gravel guards as well. Pretty much bulletproof. Then he says I use Orvis rods, currently using the Recon with the Hydras reel. Great setup. You wouldn't be able to tell the difference between a Recon or the H2 except in your wallet. <laughs> yeah, so, I love the way he thinks on that. I know, I know. And, you know, I have to agree with, with Glenn. I mean, if we're talking safety, yes, all of a sudden, you, yeah, boots are by far, and, and waders are, are much more important. Um, so, yeah, we don't dispute that at all. All right, that will do it for today. 
Have you fished where non-native fish were wiped out and native trout were reintroduced? Please tell us how you felt about this by going to twoguysinariver.com and commenting on this podcast link. How did you feel about the reintroduction of native species, and how did it work out in the watershed where you fish as you think back over the years? You can find Two Guys in a River on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'd love for you to visit our podcast on iTunes and rate it. Give us a review. That always helps. Also, you can download a podcast app on your phone and receive our weekly podcasts. If you want access to every episode we've ever published, visit our website and click on every episode on the navigation bar. Well, thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. (laughs) 